Greetings, friends and church leaders, and thank you for joining us today for episode number 104 of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast. As you likely know already, this podcast is a production of Connect Three Ministries, a ministry that is devoted to giving church leaders support. And we are the Holtons. I'm Becky, and I'm joined by my other half, Carrie. That's right. Hello, all. And in this episode, we are continuing a series that we begin with episode number 102, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a series that is devoted to helping us all to become better readers and interpreters of the sacred writings, the Bible. That's right, hon. We've been talking about principles that will make us better readers and interpreters of the Bible. And just now, I'm thinking of something Paul wrote to Timothy. And even though he wrote that to Timothy, there is a principle in that text that certainly applies to Bible readers and interpreters of every age. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul instructs Timothy to do his best to present himself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, who rightly handles or explains the word of truth. We, too, need to be people who rightly handle the word of truth. Well, that is for absolutely sure, because not one of us wants to be guilty of twisting the scriptures or trying to make them say, you know, what we want them to say to complete an agenda for us. I've heard that Bible study can be divided into three general steps, and those steps are observation, interpretation, and application. I really like those three steps, Mm -hmm. and I suppose that handling a right, as the scriptures say, handling a right God's word would require that we exercise great care in how we observe and interpret and apply scripture. So I'm sure followers of Jesus in general and church leaders in particular will appreciate this series. We may need, I don't know, to spend some quality time thinking about and reflecting on these episodes because some of this information may be different. Sure, Uh, But I, I know that All of us, and especially church leaders, will benefit by spending some time in reflection. So, uh, listeners, we want to pick up where we left off last week. But before we forge ahead, I think, hon, we probably should briefly review what we discussed in the last two podcasts. Yeah, I agree. In episode number 102, we discussed the idea that the Bible was not written to us, that the books were written to ancient Israel, or particular churches in the first century, or even to individuals like Theophilus, Timothy, or Philemon. This means that if we would interpret and apply Scripture correctly, we must first observe to whom a passage was spoken or to whom it was written. Right. And having said that the Bible was not written to us, we affirm that the Bible was absolutely written for us. It was written for our learning, for our benefit, that all of the Bible was written as a guide for all God's people throughout history, but that it was written to its original readers in their cultural situation. Yes. Then, in the last podcast, number 103, we started a discussion about the nature of the New Testament letters, that they are occasional or situational documents, and that is that they arose out of and are intended for a specific occasion. The authors of the letters 
are addressing a particular situation in those letters. They may be answering questions from their original readers, or they may be addressing a particular problem or maybe some false teaching. But whatever the reason for writing, they are addressing specific situations in the first century churches or in the lives of the individuals who were the recipients, the original recipients of those documents. Right, right. And that to apply the letters correctly to our own day and time, we must see just how similar our situation is to the situation of the original recipients. For, you know, why would we think that what the author wrote to them would apply to us if our situation is dissimilar to theirs? Right, right. Well, there is a principle in every text that applies to us today. Ooh, that bears repeating. I think that is important to say again. There is a principle in every text that applies to us right, today. Right, right. But that principle may need to be reapplied in our situation, in our context. And if our situation does not match that of the original readers, those to whom these letters were addressed— then we should tread cautiously as we try to apply the particular text. And as evidence of what we were talking about, we used an illustration from 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. I'm sure our listeners will remember that. Mm-hmm. There, in that passage, Paul instructs Timothy, who is in Ephesus, by the way, and, and by the way, that's important right. that he's in Ephesus. Paul instructs Timothy there that the women should dress themselves modestly, and decently in suitable clothing, not with their hair braided or with gold, pearls, or expensive clothes. And, hun, do you remember, I asked you if women today should do as Paul commanded in 1 Timothy 2, 9. Yes, I remember that question, <laughs> and my response was, I hope not. <laughs> for if this specific command is for Christian women today, There are a lot of us Christian women who are breaking this command because we do wear pearls and gold and sometimes expensive clothing, and some do braid their hair. Some women do. So apparently Christian women today do not feel this is a command for them, that it does not apply to them. Right, right. Now, let me ask you this question. Why do we feel that this is not a specific prohibition for women today? After all, it is a statement of what Paul, an apostle of God, desires. He writes and speaks with authority, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Sure. So why do we feel women today do not need to do as Paul instructs in this passage? I think the answer is that we understand this was a directive given to a specific situation in a specific church to address a specific problem. And again, we would say that this directive was not written to us. It was written to the women, whoever they were, in the church at Ephesus. Right, right. But still written for us. Sure, right. Now, now, there are some religious traditions that try to follow this directive even today, including a few Pentecostal traditions. They forbid women to braid their hair, wear gold or pearls, or dress in expensive clothes. And by the way, we are not for one minute mocking them or looking down on them. No, we are not. In fact, we see that that presentation is an attempt to really have integrity interpretation. Exactly. I mean, they are sincerely trying to live by what they believe the Bible teaches. Right. 
And after all, to follow Scripture, that's, that's a noble agenda. Yes, it is. But let's try to understand the difference between how we are interpreting 1 Timothy 2.9 and how others are interpreting it. When those in other religious traditions forbid women to braid their hair and wear gold or pearls, how are they reading 1 Timothy 2.9? How do they see this verse? Well, I would assume they see it as a timeless prescription, right? one that applies to all Christian women since the days of Paul. I believe they would say that Paul is prohibiting this hairstyle and these accessories for women of all time and in every place. And for them, it's a timeless and universal prohibition. Exactly. Good. But let's think about this. How are we interpreting 1 Timothy 2.9 if we do not believe Christian women today must follow Paul's specific directive. We would see it as a directive that was intended to address a specific situation in a specific church in the first century. We would say that directive was not written to women today and does not specifically apply to them. We would say that the text is not a timeless prohibition against wearing gold or else We should stop wearing wedding bands, shouldn't we? Right. So if we take the latter interpretation that it is not a timeless prohibition, that it's a a situational directive, we are saying that Paul's command in 2.9 is not contextless. It is culturally situated. And because of that, therefore, it is not timeless. Now, we would want to examine the context of the book of 1 Timothy, and the context of the city of Ephesus. Yes. And what we might discover is that the women Paul is talking about in 1 Timothy 2.9 are prostitutes in Ephesus, or priestesses, or former priestesses in the temple of Artemis, who had become Christians, or women in the church who are trying to seduce men, or women who are spreading false teaching in the church in Ephesus, or something similar. We might conclude that Paul is not talking about Christian women in general, but that he has a specific group of women in mind. That is, he is addressing a particular situation and a particular group of women. Okay. So I understand that you're saying that one group sees 1 Timothy 2.9 as a text that only applies in a specific situation and to a specific audience, whereas the other group sees 1 Timothy 2.9 as a timeless universal principle for even Christian women today. Right, right. A a timeless prescription for Christian women today. However, there is a principle in 1 Timothy 2.9 that is timeless, while the specific prohibition is not. And you favor the situational interpretation of First Timothy two nine, that it was written to the women in the church at Ephesus, or at least some of the women in the Ephesian church, that it applied to their specific situation, but not to Christian women today. Right. And again, the specific prohibition is not timeless, but the principle behind it is. 
Well, let me push back a little. So if 1 Timothy 2.9 was not written to us, and Paul is addressing a specific situation that is not our situation, does that mean 1 Timothy 2.9 is irrelevant to us or useless to oh, us? Oh, no. Oh, no. It's, it's not irrelevant, and it's not useless. Again, Paul's specific prohibition applies to the context in which the Ephesian Christians lived. But there is certainly a principle in that command that surely applies to Christian women of all time. That principle may need to be reapplied in different ways, in different contexts. But there is a principle there which Christian women today should put into practice. So what we must do in the case of 1 Timothy 9, then, is identify the principle. Identify the theological principle, if you will, the principle that would be timeless and universal, and apply it to our own contemporary situation. That's right. So off the top of your head, a wise one, I know you've studied this deeper than I have. What is the principle that you have discovered that is timeless? Well... Again, uh, we're not sure who the women are that Paul is addressing in this passage. Right. You've Uh, already mentioned some of those possibilities. They're just possibilities, yes. Uh, We would have to study the context of 1 Timothy and the context of Ephesus to get a better handle on who those women might be. But the principle behind that specific prohibition might be something like this. These women, for example, may have come from the temple of Artemis in Ephesus. You know, Artemis was the goddess of Ephesus, right, uh, right. Diana of the Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was such an idolatrous city. And these women may have been former priestesses in the temple of Artemis who have now come into the church, but they are still wearing and dressing and accessorizing the way they did when they were priestesses in the temple of Artemis. Hmm. And so what is Paul concerned about? Paul is concerned, first of all, that these women speak the truth, that they teach the truth. And if we'll look through this book of First Timothy, Paul is very concerned about false teaching mm-hmm. and teaching what is true. So first of all, he's concerned that they teach the truth, but he's also concerned that people who are not yet Christians in Ephesus realize that the church is different from the temple of Artemis. So when they see these former priestesses in the temple of Artemis coming into the church, they may be inclined to think that there's nothing unique or nothing wonderful about the gospel of Jesus or about the church of Jesus Christ. So we could say that some of the principles that are eternal, that are timeless are, we should dress in a way, we should talk in a way that shows that we are unique, that we are part of God's church, that we are not idol worshipers, and we should always try to make the gospel of Jesus Christ attractive to outsiders. And we can do that by dressing in a certain way, by looking in a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Behaving in a certain way. Paul is concerned about evangelism. He's concerned about the purity of the church. He's concerned about the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so those are the principles that we can reapply in any and every situation. And nothing should be a barrier to spreading the good news. Exactly. Exactly. Boy, that's really helpful. Really helpful. Well, just some suggestions. Again, we're not sure about who these women were, Mm -hmm. uh, but we can surely find some principles behind that text that would apply in every situation. And again, I'm sure that 1 Timothy 2.9 is not a timeless prohibition against wearing gold or pearls. 
nor does it provide a timeless prohibition against braided hair. In fact, whatever braided hair and wearing golden pearls meant in Ephesus in Timothy's day, and we're not sure about that, but whatever it did mean, it may not mean that in our day. In fact, in many contemporary cultures, braided hair is consistent with humility and modesty. Yes, it is. So, if braiding hair and wearing gold and pearls does not mean today what it meant in first century Ephesus, we should not see Paul's prohibition in two nine as timeless. But we should identify what might be prohibitions in this day and time. Right. There is a principle behind this text that is the same in every time and place. But you are correct. The application of the principle may vary in different cultural contexts. That is, the principle may require us to observe certain prohibitions today that are reapplied in our particular context. Mm -hmm. That is fascinating and very, very helpful. And I appreciate you going off topic with me a little bit and talking about that. And with that, why don't we call it enough food for thought for today? Um, This is a lot to think about and wade through, especially if it is different than some of our church leaders may have been thinking about biblical interpretation um, all their lives. This may be different for some, so let's call it food for thought, and maybe we should talk about this subject a little bit more in the future. Well, I think we should. I think this series deserves at least one more episode and maybe two because, you know, I think in the church we are prone to interpret a lot of the scriptures in the letters as timeless prescriptions for mm-hmm. all time. But we don't interpret all of them as timeless. Some some of them, like First Timothy 2, 9, we tend to interpret as only applicable to a specific situation. So I think that is part of our part of our DNA. We tend to see... Everything is timeless in the scriptures, or at least most everything is timeless in the scriptures, while at the same time, we admit that there are some things that are not timeless, that are only culturally situated. So I do think we need to come back to this subject for another episode, or maybe two, or or, or maybe three. So, oh, no. <laughs> so we are planning on returning to this subject next week. So, so listeners, please join us again next week. Right. And remember, we're only trying to become better students of the Bible. Mm-hmm. We're only trying to learn how to understand it better and apply it better to our lives. Well, and I think First Timothy 2 is one of those chapters that some of the verses we say are situational and some of the verses we say are universal prescriptions. And these parameters or these guidelines, that's a better word that we're talking about, really provide us with more integrity and steps that we can follow that bring a truthfulness to how we look at Scripture. So I, I think these are very helpful because not one of us want to twist anything in Scripture. That's it. Again, learning these principles might keep us from twisting Scripture and from uh, trying to make it mean whatever we think it means or mm-hmm. make it mean what we want it to mean. Integrity. And that's the goal. We want to honor God. We believe these are sacred writings. We want to be obedient. But our culture has changed so much anyway that it's helpful to think about some applications because things have changed so much. Well, again, we don't want to beat a dead horse. No. But if our culture has changed so much, why would we expect Paul to say certain things to our culture when it's so different from their culture in the first century? That's the point. Right. Because he, yeah, 
I'll stop okay. there. <laughs> yeah, I better too. Well, thanks again for listening in, uh, church leaders and friends. We really do appreciate it. And we will plan to return next week with a brand new episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where our aim is to equip and provide up-to-date guidance for church leaders. And we pl- pray God blesses you. <laughs>